Hey, 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 welcome to another episode of the HR Insider Podcast. I am your host, David Valentine. I am so happy to have a guest in the studio with us this week, uh, Stevie Don Carter, the CEO at Always Be the Shark. Stevie, how are you doing? I'm good. It's so cool to be here live and in person. It's fun. I like it. I like it. Well, hey, uh, Stevie, you actually had the privilege of being the first person ever on this podcast over two years ago. And now we're bringing you back because I know that you have a new company and uh, new topics to talk about. And you and I were chatting before we hit record about how uh, you're really into productivity right now and how productivity can actually be something that really slips by the wayside for HR professionals in particular. So we'd all love to hear more about that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I think, you know, HR professionals are known for having to do more with less. They have to not only be able to think strategically and have a vision about where the company is going and culture and hiring needs, but they also are the people who have to think about uh, dealing with the everyday management struggles and conflict amongst employees and benefits and payroll. And so these are people who in companies are making it all happen. But in order to do that, they're really being asked to do a whole lot in any given eight hour, 10 hour period of time. So productivity really becomes how can we make sure that they're spending their time on the work that truly matters and being able to get done as much as humanly possible with the tools that they have. And so for me, I really think productivity is that thing that not only can it help us all, but when we are in those positions where we're being asked to do so much and to wear so many hats, Productivity is how you keep yourself sane and making (laughs) sure that you don't do something that's crazy just because it's so much work and there's so much pressure. Sanity is overrated. Oh, I know. (laughs) Who needs that anyway? Okay, so so you said that you kind of have three tips or three things that people can do to be successful in HR. Do you mind talking through the first one with us? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the areas that I think uh, productivity starts to fall apart or wane a little bit is when we're stuck in bad processes. So when we have these processes that maybe have been the same for 40 years and we haven't updated them, or maybe we've never stopped to ask, does the process actually make sense? Is it efficient? Is it effective? I think we all have been in places where we knew that the process required 20 steps, but we knew we could do it in two. And so why are we having to constantly spend our time on these processes that are ineffective? And so from an HR perspective, it's being able to look at the processes within the organization that the employees are struggling with and saying, are these effective? Are these things we need to do? And then for our own work, are these things we should be doing in this format? Is this still serving us? And really taking that moment to review a process, not just keep doing it because it's what we've always done. I really hate that way of thinking. Yeah, it's a bad, it's a poor way to think just in general, right? Well, we've always done it this way. Yeah. Okay, so I know that you've worked with CEOs and entrepreneurs and mid-level managers and HR professionals. So this isn't a uniquely HR issue. However, it does seem to hit HR, you know, leaders and professionals more than other people, just because of the nature of their job, they kind of need to be available to all people at all times. It's a lot easier to have your time encroached upon. And so 
you know, that's, that's obviously a problem, but I think that, you know, I've, cause I've seen you out and about and talking with people enough. A lot of times you're encouraging people to look at their own calendar first and before they address like a huge organizational, uh, inefficiency, you kind of have them walk through, Hey, what are the productivity issues that you're having personally? So Stevie, how would somebody go about kind of evaluating their own productivity first before they go to an organizational level? Yeah, that's so true. I mean, I think we live in a world today where we are run by our calendars. um, And too often, we're not in control of our calendars. They control us. And so for me, the first step in assessing somebody's productivity, we do some productivity audits. And one of the first steps of that audit is to literally look at your calendar and to look at, are your meetings back to back? with no time in between, right? So if you have a meeting at eight and it goes till nine and then you have another one, nine to 10 and then 10 to 11, if your calendar is so full that you can't show me a place where you get to take a break or you get to have a conversation, I can already tell you that you're setting yourself up for failure because when our calendar is that full, we cannot deal with the crisis and we all live right now as firefighters dealing with crises. So if you don't have room on your calendar for that, you're not going to be productive because you're spending way too much of your time jumping from meeting to meeting and not actually available to do some of the other work. The other thing that we tend to look at in that first step of productivity is actually tracking what you're working on. Are you spending your time with people? Are you spending your time going through paperwork processes? Or are you spending your time going through email and answering people and responding to people and spending all the time in what we call the busyness of business? Because if you're spending your time there, then again, you're not necessarily pushing the needle forward on anything else. So my first question is always when you're looking at your own productivity, and this is good for anybody, is to ask yourself, how many hours per week are you doing the work that truly matters? Because if it's not more hours than everything else, then we need to do some tweaking and we need to make some improvement. So when you say the work that really matters, right? Like if if I'm a staff member and my uh, supervisors give me, hey, this, you need to do this, you need to do X, you need to do Y, you need to do Z, uh, you need to do those in this order. Uh, I'm going to do all those things, right? So like when you say the work that matters, what do you mean by the work that matters? Right. So in a staff position, the work that matters is the work that you're being judged on. I always kind of think about it like um, back in school, right? Some of us were those people, not me, by the way, I was totally an overachiever, uh, but some people like my husband was this person. Um, he, they were the people who just did whatever they knew was going to be graded. But if it wasn't going to be graded, then it didn't (laughs) need to get done. And so I think if you look at as a staff member, we should always do the work first that's going to be graded. What are we being asked to do by our boss or our boss's boss? What is the requirement of the job? But then I want you to think about what time are you spending not doing that work? What time are you spending helping Joe in the other department because he asked, but you didn't really tell your boss that Joe asked you to do that? You're just pitching in because you're a nice collaborative person. 
But does that mean you're taking time away from the projects you really need to get done? And when we see this a lot is when people have big projects with long deadlines, because then it's really easy to get stuck into the weeds of even projects that you think are important and they, they do matter. But are you doing the work that needs to be done for that project? Or are you lost in these weeds, these little decisions and not moving forward? If you're not making a decision, then maybe it's not where you need to be right now. So... Okay. So that's, I think that's super, super valuable. So do you have a, like a system or a way that people understand how to maximize their own personal productivity or, you know, like how, how how do you go about that? Because I know a lot of people are listening to this are going, cool, great. I'm going to tell Joe to take a hike on this and I'm going to tell Bob to quit coming into my office and I've got things to do. But like, is there is there something like that people can go through that they can go, this is how I this is how I discern what's important. And then this is how I go execute that. Absolutely. So we use um, well, number one, I think if you tell Joe or Bob that you should just say Stevie Don said, um, because I think that's a great reason (laughs) to give. Uh, But we do. We have the shark method. And the shark method is based on this approach of how do we streamline and focus so that we're doing the work that matters and we're doing the work that we know we need to be doing, but also gives us the tools to be able to delegate and hand off the work that doesn't need to be us in a way that's productive and based on communication and empathy and all the good things, but still allows us to really get focused on the work that we need to be doing. And so we use the shark method as kind of our process through that. So, uh, so the shark method, what is the shark method and why should I or anyone else use it? Because it sounds great. Well, that's why you should use it because it sounds (laughs) great. Um, no, so it starts with streamline. Um, so it stands for shark actually stands for streamline, hand off, automate, review, and keep swimming. And so streamline is all about looking at what you're doing and deciding, does it, is it something that has to be done? And then second part of that question, is it something that has to be done by you? So within the workplace today, we're doing things and stepping into other people's sandboxes. And I always think it's that whole thought of stay in your lane, right? Is it something that you need to do? And is it something that needs to be done by you? So that's our streamline phase. And we kind of go through some worksheets and some activities to try and look at all of the work that you're doing and really where can you streamline now, from that, from that place of looking at everything, you get to the handoff phase. So what is on your list that doesn't need to be you and that there is somebody who would be a great person to do that work? How do you hand it off to them? And how do you hand it off in a way that they actually are going to get it done? Because I think there's a big word that we don't talk about enough in this space, and that's delegation. It's like the big D that we're driving through, but we never want to say we're in it. And that's, we need to be able to delegate to people and know that they're actually going to do what we want them to do. And I don't feel that's on the other person. I feel that's on us to delegate better and to make sure that we're delegating clearly and with respect and authority. So in our handoff phase, we're looking at what can we hand off to somebody? What can we delegate? Now, my favorite phase personally is the automate phase, because I think that there's a lot of things technology can help us with. And some of us, myself included, are a little resistant to technology sometimes and not allowing it to help us. So being able to look at what's on your list and saying, is any of this something that I could use technology to support me? 
is any of this something that I could put on automation? Some kind of, you know, we think about email lists and things like that. I think about templates. How many times are you writing the same email over and over and over again? Just make it once and copy and paste it. You don't need to keep writing it. Let's automate that. Yes, come on. (laughs) (laughs) And then also next to automation and technology is what do you make automatic, right? One of my favorite things to look at with a team is the things that we do without realizing that we're doing them. Much, many of us have a, a certain process or procedure that we do every day when we get into the office. You always fill your coffee cup first, or you always say hello to Janet. You have a process. You don't think about it. It just happens. Well, what in your work could you put on automatic? Could you make such a process that it just happens and you don't have to think about it? For me in my world, that's prospecting. I've come up with a process for prospecting. I don't have to think about it. I don't have to put energy into it. I just have to get it done. And once I know that, hey, it's prospecting time and it's on my calendar, I shift into automatic and I'm conserving time and conserving energy by having it be a process that's repeatable. I think we have a lot of that in our work. We just don't stop to think about it. And once we can think about it and figure that out, then we know how we can save ourselves time by making these processes that we repeat. And then that goes into the review phase, which is where we say, okay, if we're going to streamline and we're going to hand off and we're going to automate, we still have to review it. I suggest about every 60 to 90 days and say, what did you take off your to-do list that just crept back on it, right? What was removed from your calendar in the process, but that you took back on? Because that's all of us. We all have something that we gave away to somebody else and said, hey, we handed that off. But then they brought it back to us and now it's back on our calendar. So I think we need to review it every 60, 90 days and say, how productive are we being? How much time are we saving ourselves? And then the big thing for me is keep swimming. Um, Know (laughs) that you can't give up um, and know that productivity is a tweaking method. You're not going to just come up with something today and have it be perfect. You're going to have to tweak it. You're going to change as your role changes, as your job changes, as your timing changes. I know when I was younger, I could stay up all night and still get up in the morning. Now that I'm older, I can't do that. I have to change my productivity. I didn't used to be a morning person. I used to be a night owl. Now I'm a morning person. So I had to shift my calendar and shift my ideas. And so we have to look at productivity as something that changes over time. But something that we have to keep looking at, because once we just kind of set it and forget it, then we end up not being the most efficient or effective that we could be. All right. I'm going to stop right there. This episode of HR Insiders is brought to you by PC Housing. PC Housing caters to business travelers and their families by providing tailored temporary housing solutions that are less like a corporate apartment and more like a home. With anytime check-in, flexible lease terms, and personalized welcome grocery packages for their guests, PC Housing provides the amenities you need to be at your best. Need something customized to fit your specific needs? PC Housing offers customizable furniture, and housewares to match your lifestyle. With communities throughout the U.S. and Canada, they have the resources to simplify and enhance your temporary housing needs. Relax and know PC Housing backs its services with the risk-free PC Housing Guarantee. If you're not happy, they'll do all they can to make it right or provide a refund. PC Housing. Stop searching. Start booking. For more information, please visit our website, HR Insiders Podcast. Dot com. That's hrinsiderspodcast.com. Now, back to the show. 
So one is evaluate your processes and see where you're kind of like, you need to tweak some things. I think one a based off this conversation is evaluate where your personal processes are and how you're, you know, personally going through things using the shark method. Does the shark method kind of like work for the whole company? Like, can they kind of do the one B, which is okay. One a is me evaluating my own personal processes and procedures. How efficient are those? How productive am I being? And then one B is okay. Now that I've kind of evaluated my own personal stuff, I need to take the shark method, which I love. I think that's freaking fabulous. And you see how that works uh, in the organization as a whole and all the places that I touch and all the ways that I interact with people. Is that kind of the next step? Absolutely. So I think once we have a handle on how we are productive as individuals, it's time to then look at teams, then look at departments and divisions, and then scale it up to the organization. So we've taken whole organizations through the shark method, and it really helps organizations at a larger picture look at, are they doing the work that truly matters? Are they staying on brand? Are they making sure that they're doing projects that are aligned with what they're meant to be doing in the world? And so looking at that from a personal level and then moving it up allows you to really make sure that every person in your organization is being effective, not just the couple of overachievers that you may have, but that everybody kind of grows into that effectiveness. I love that. That's freaking awesome. Okay. So number one, evaluate your policies, procedures. Where's your inefficiency? Number two would be. Right. So the second place that I think we have a lot of struggle in productivity is with people. (laughs) I I don't know about you, but I feel like people waste my time more than anything else (laughs) in the world. Um, And if I'm right, come on, I know. Um, but that's the truth. How many times have you stepped in and somebody said, hey, got a minute? And then three hours later, you're talking to the same person, right? People is one of our areas where we lose productivity because we allow other people to control our time. We allow other people to control our calendar. And we don't think about having productive conversations. So something that I've really been passionate about Um, really over the last two decades is communication and making sure that we are actually communicating with each other in a way where both people are listening and learning and getting the message. And I really, if I had to pick like one big pet peeve I have, it is having to have the same conversation more than once. We've already had the conversation. Why do we need to have it again? I always look at that as if we're having it more than once, that means the message was not received. And so that conversation was not productive. So if we look at the people that we deal with and the people we have conversations with, I think it's important for us to evaluate how much time are we spending in these conversations that are going nowhere? And can we improve our communication so that the conversation becomes productive and we can actually move forward? Yeah, I think that this is key, you know, anytime that you're dealing with people and an and HR position often, I mean, like, that's what you're doing. You're not just doing policies and procedures. It's human resources. Yeah. It's not process resources. True so it, it's going to be engaging with individuals and, and with groups. And I think that it can be challenging for a lot of people that are very skilled in this field that they have a deep sense of longing to connect with other people. And that can often distract them from having high productivity because they're dealing with um, someone that is incredibly engaged uh, with them. And so 
Stevie, what would be a way, like, are there elegant exits that people can create to get out of, because we all know those people, right? Whether you're in a big organization with tens of thousands of employees, or you're in a smaller organization with 50, we all know those people that just, they just want to connect and they just want to see how your day is going and they want to hear about your weekend. How can um, an HR personnel make whether they're a CHRO at a Fortune 500 company or they're just the HR person at a startup, how do they kind of elegantly leave a conversation? Yeah, so I think elegantly leaving a conversation is really all about how you start the conversation. Um, One of the biggest things that I try and impress upon people is that we need to set boundaries for our time at the beginning of the conversation, not when it's already started to run over. So if I start the conversation with you with, hey, I want to talk to you about this. I have to be honest. I've got 10 minutes right now. But if you're willing to schedule it for three o'clock today, I have a whole hour. Which one works better for you? (laughs) Right. So because so often we just somebody comes in the office and says, hey, got a minute. And we say, yes, I think we need to get that out of our repertoire. I, I should Everybody's got a minute, but the point is, if I'm coming and saying, hey, Dave, got a minute, you know, it's not a minute, you know, it's five, (laughs) it's 10, 25, 35, it's something else. So instead of saying that, let's actually say, when I say, hey, got a minute, you say, actually, I have, and you put in however many minutes you have, and then you say, I've got that amount of time. If this, if we can get through it in that time, great, I'm here, I'm with you, I'm present, all the good things. If I know that it's going to be longer, then let me go ahead and schedule it on the calendar so I can give you my full attention. That's not um, pushing somebody out and that's not being rude. That's actually saying, hey, I want to be fully engaged with you. So for me to do that, I know this is going to take more time. Wow. See, I think that's that's key. It's not saying I'm being rude because oftentimes mm-hmm. this is about our own mentality yes. towards feeling like, oh, I'm if I tell them no... Yes. That I'm being rude. I'm not doing my job effectively. My job is to be available. My job is to help these individuals. And the reality is, no, you have a lot of a lot of different items that your job entails. And one of them, no matter who your employer is, is to be effective and efficient in the work that you're uh, you've been tasked with. And sometimes that means telling, putting up good boundaries with an employee and saying, hey, listen, um, yeah, I've got five minutes right now or actually I'm in the middle of something and I'm not available for another 25. After that, I've got 15 minutes or to your point, Stevie, this afternoon, I've got a whole hour that's not marked. Um, you know, something that I've done for that because I'm a small business owner. I have people that want to be in my office all the time. I'm an easy person to talk to. What, what can I say? Um, and I, I just, I've created a sign and it says, do not disturb. And so I've, what a thought. <laughs> I've sent out a memo and it says, unless the building is on fire or we're about to lose 10% of our business because some PR disaster happened, don't come find me. Good news will keep, right? So if someone's like, oh, we signed more business. Oh, uh, we're having a baby. Oh, we're whatever it is, right? I'm like, good news will keep. That'll always be great. If if something bad is happening that we can actively stop right now, let's do that. But outside of that, unless something really, really negative is happening, uh, let's wait. So I've found that those boundaries actually create and sustain professional relationships, sustain friendships even, um, 
even though they, they seem a little bit counterintuitive when you're initially implementing them. Right. And I think the the point there is not only that you're creating these boundaries, but you're also then letting people know that your time is important. And oh, so is yeah. theirs, mm. right? You're respecting it on both sides. And for me, what that leads to is so when we do have the conversation, there's a point to the conversation, right? right. right? If, if, if somebody is truly just coming in my office to chit chat, just to catch up, just to talk about what happened last weekend, that kind of thing. Then when I say to them, you know, I only have this much time, they'll either be like, you know what? No big deal. Um, we'll catch up over lunch or we'll catch up over coffee or something like that if it's more social. And so it didn't need to happen right now while I was in the middle of something. Or they'll be like, actually, I was just going to ask you how your weekend went. So I think we can do that in five minutes. Perfect. Then we can do it and we move on. When we set boundaries, we force the other person to have a point. And I think that really, for me, drives up the productivity because now we're not having conversations that are about 50 things. We're having conversations about focus things. And to your point about putting the sign on your door, it's that idea what you're telling people is, hey, good news keeps and let's talk all the good news later. We're good. But it means if they do interrupt you, they have a point because they know that they're interrupting you for a reason right. and not just right. for something that came into their head. I think one of the things we do in corporate America right now is we steal each other's time through interruptions. Ooh. Every five seconds, I'm interrupting you because it was on my brain. And I always tell my people... Just because it's your emergency right now doesn't mean it's mine. <laughs> That's Just right. Just because you're thinking about it right now doesn't mean I am. So instead of going to each other's office every five seconds, instead of picking up the phone, instead of IMing people every five seconds, why don't we think about what are they doing right now? Um, you know, have you ever thought about checking somebody's calendar before you send them an email to see if they're out of the office before you send it? right? To see if they're going to check it today or would a text be better? Let's actually think about the fact that we want our conversations and our communications to be well-received. And that means we got to care more about the other person than we care about ourselves. And we got to care more about their time and where they're at than we are. And I think that just changes the game because then we're not wasting time on these conversations that really don't go anywhere or could happen at a better time, right? Sometimes it's just picking your moment. Right. Yeah. No. God, I love that. That is so, so good. Okay. So item number three on changing our productivity. So this is the one that uh, is always a little bit sticky for people. Um, as business owners, I think we understand that one of the biggest areas we have to be focused on is profit. What is making us a profit? What is selling? What is bringing money in the door? Because that's running a business. But oftentimes other departments and companies don't really think about the profit part of a company because you may not think that your role directly relates to that. However, I challenge people to say, but if you are doing work for this company, this company, even nonprofits are in the business of making money. It's just what they do with the money that's different. So are you being conscious of your work and how it leads to profits? Are you showing your employer how your work leads to profits, can impact the bottom line, right? From an HR perspective, we talk about culture. 
if we can create a better culture in the organization, then we retain our employees. And we know that losing an employee costs a whole lot more to get the next one than just keeping a good employee and keeping them happy and engaged. So I think we need to think about are we really helping the profit? Are we helping the bottom line? And when we look at our calendar and we look at how we're spending our time, are we spending time towards that effort? Or are we spending time on other things that maybe aren't going to get us any closer to that? So again, I know that one's a little bit sticky for people because they may not see it as directly impactful to their work, but all of us are in the business of helping our organization reach that goal. So how much of your work this week is helping them reach that goal? I think that's so valuable because you're right. So often, um, and I know business owners that do this and you know, business owners that do this, they get caught up in the thing that's not actually helping the entity, the organism grow that they're part of. And no matter what role you're playing in that organism, it's ultimately a vital role to get the organism in the place that it's trying to get to. I mean, that's where organism is, you know, the, the root word for organization. And so it's all about this idea of this one entity that's trying to accomplish this one goal. It's not just survival and it's not just world domination either. It's actually something bigger than that. It's something better than that. And so are, are the things that you're doing, are the tasks that you're doing, do you understand how, they play a vital role in the ultimate thing. And then how are the things that you're doing today actually impacting that ultimate goal? And I think that, uh, you know, as an organization grows, as a company grows, it becomes more and more challenging to find out what your role is and how it's vital. But the reality is, um, if you left, they would hire somebody to replace you more than likely. Um, and how, challenging would your coworkers, your teammates, um, or your company find it to, uh, handle your workload on their own. It would be a challenge. There's a reason why you got hired. Um, and there's a reason why you're doing what you do. So uh, yeah, man, holy cow. Well, and I think, you know, it's, you provide a service to your company, right? Every person has a role to play in that organism. And so thinking about what is your role, not only how people define it, but what is it really? Because we all know job descriptions may or may not be that clear, but what is your role? And really looking at your work and saying, how much of my time every day is spent towards that? So for example, if you look at your day and you go, man, I spent three hours on email, is that something that was pushing towards that larger goal? Or would it be better to figure out how to do email in one hour and spend two hours creating that culture series that you know is going to engage employees, which you know is going to lead to a bottom line? Another place I see it a lot in HR is training programs, right? I, I do a lot of corporate training and I work with a lot of clients. And one of the things is always, how do we know our training programs are ROI? Where's our return on investment right. for training programs? Nothing is worse to a company at a large level than saying we're going to spend all this money on these training programs and these ideas without any idea of how they impact the company, how they impact the bottom line, how they impact the organism. And I think it's HR's responsibility to come up with that. But how often do we let programs stay on our docket for years? I worked at a company that had had the same consultant group doing the same leadership training at this company for 10 years. And I asked the HR person, when was that? Because I went through the program. I was an employee. I went through the program. I didn't think much of it, but that's okay. It's a program. We go through it. It's mandatory training. 
I asked our HR representative at the time, I said, when was the last time you guys sat through the program and looked at it for how relevant it is to what we did today? Because I just felt like some of the topics were not relevant. And she said to me, she goes, I sat through it, I don't know, six years ago. Okay, well, then you don't know that it's contributing, right? So I think it's, it's that idea, again, that mindset shift of saying everything we're doing needs to be reviewed and we need to make sure that it's still productive for our company, for our people, because cultures change, there are shifts in ideas. So even training programs or, um, you know, we relook at benefits every single year. Why would we not look at our onboarding? training experience? Why would we not look at leadership training? If we're looking at benefits every year, why not look at the other things every year? So I just feel it's coming back to that and saying, what's your role in the in the organization? And how do you make sure that the things you're providing, the services you're doing, that you're doing things that are productive, that are helping it grow and get to those larger goals, as you said? Yeah, I think that's super tremendous because I think so often it's easy, no matter how big or small you are, you can kind of get into this space where you get on autopilot, you start to tackle bigger and bigger things. You start to, you know, you're always worried about, okay, well, are we, how are we going to retain our people? How are we going to incentivize our people? How do we get new talent? How do we train up talent? And sometimes, I mean, this just happens, right? You, you conquer a thing and you move on to the next. And so you go, oh, we've got this training program. Let's move on as opposed to, and I know there are some really, um, innovative companies that are always going every year. We look at every single process. We look at every single procedure. We look at every single training and we ask ourselves, does this need to be tweaked? Does this need to be adjusted? How do we need to change or tweak or adjust it? And then what ends up happening, which is pretty tremendous, is that instead of a complete overhaul once every six years, once every 10 years, they do these subtle tweaks that are like, five to 20% of what was a thing. And now what happens is that tribal knowledge, that essential thing that you always long to pass down, no matter how big or small your company is, it gets passed down because people are paying attention to the things that matter. And so I think that's so, so valuable. Well, and, and I love that you said small tweaks, you know, I, not to get too sharky on people, but, um, but <laughs> there's a whole long story about shark method and everything like that. But one of the things we know about sharks is that they course correct consistently and constantly. And so they do not make huge turns. They do not make U-turns. They make little tiny adjustments to get to where they're going because it's efficient. The big turns expend too much energy and are going usually in the wrong direction. So unless they're avoiding a predator, they will always make smaller course corrections to come around at something again, rather than just kind of flipping their tail at it and go in the other direction. And I think sometimes we don't, we wait to your point, six years, 10 years to do a big overhaul rather than just making small tweaks along the way that would still get us going towards the path. And those small tweaks allow everybody to be involved. Whereas a big overhaul, usually that means you're kicking somebody out and you're losing a lot of people. When you do small tweaks, you're keeping everyone engaged and to your point, paying attention. Right. Yeah. I think that's, that's super, super key. All right. So, uh, well, Stevie, this has been 
amazing. I love the conversation that we've had. This has been super, super, super helpful. So, um, if people want to check out always be the shark or get more information about you, how do they do that? Absolutely. Well, you can go to alwaysbethesharkcom Pretty, pretty basic, pretty straightforward. There's also drstevedon.com. If you just want to know a little bit more about me and all my things outside of my sharkiness. Um, and you know what, David, I, I want to do something special for this group. Is that okay? Uh, yeah, of course. Okay. That'd be amazing. So I'm literally just making this up in the moment. So we're going to go with it. But we do these productivity audits for people um, that we offer uh, that service to people at $147. Um, and that's where we look at your calendar. We look at what you're doing and we assess your productivity personally. And then we give you a set of five tips to move forward, five adjustments you can make, small tweaks to better yourself moving forward. What I would like to do is for anybody listening to this podcast, if they send me an email and they mention this podcast, I want to give them that productivity audit for free. Holy free holies. Okay, well, that is awesome. Um, that's super cool. Well, thank you so much for doing that. That's huge, You're Stevie. You're welcome. I felt inspired today, so we're going to go with it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So productivity audit, $147 value for free. That's amazing. Thank you so much. And they can send you an email at one more time. Yeah, so send me an email. Send it to me directly. So we'll do Stevie at steviedoninspires.com. That'll go direct to my personal email and um, I will get you all set up. Sweet. All right. Well, thank you so much again for being on the podcast. Really appreciate all your insights. And um, man, round two has been even better than round one with you. So thank Absolutely. you again. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. <laughs>